Well, good morning. It's lovely to be with you this morning. Um, as we continue our teaching series in the book of Ephesians, last week Steve kicked us off um, in this, this wonderful uh, letter in the New Testament. And uh, he gave us a bunch of context about Ephesians, the, the world in which it was written. So it was uh, written to the church in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was a major city in the Roman Empire situated in, in modern day Turkey. Uh, and it was known for a few things. It was a, a centre of trade and economics, um, but it, it had um, a temple dedicated to the goddess Diana or Artemis. The people came from all over the, the, the Roman world to worship her. And one of the things that was prevalent in Ephesian culture uh, was this idea um, of trying to attain some sort of physical perfection. And we see Paul using, you know, talking about blemishes and things like that in, in the letter to, to really to speak to some of that culture. Now, Paul was in Ephesus for at least two years before um, moving on. In that time, he planted churches. He invested in Jesus' disciples in the city. And at the time of writing the letter, he's in a Roman prison, writing back to this church which he planted. And Steve's challenge was really last week at the end of his talk was, what journey from, from immaturity to maturity is God taking you on? What are your plans to go deeper with him? And when we get to the other side of this, <laughs> this being lockdown, this being COVID, whatever that is for you, when you get to the other side, how do you want to have changed? What is the person that you want to have become? Now we're going to, we're in Ephesians for a few weeks, and I would encourage you, just in your own personal time, to spend some time in this book. Uh, it's a really rich and deep and powerful book. It's really short; it's six chapters, um, but it's also really practical as as the book goes on. And there are two halves um, to the if, the book of Ephesians, and we can split it in chapters one to three, and then chapters four to six. Now, in chapters one through three. Uh, Paul is really going to, to great lengths to retell and reshare the gospel story. And he does this with poetry and prayer and metaphor. And then after that, he goes on to this, this other section. And it kind of goes like this, that he spends the first time going, here is the gospel story. Therefore, this is how we live. This is how we go toward maturity. This is what it means to live in a way that is God glorifying, Jesus loving and spirit filled. And today we're in Ephesians 2 uh, from chapter, sorry, chapter 2, verse 1, all the way to chapter 3, verse 13. Now we don't have time to read this through in full. I'll, I'll get through as much of it as we can. But Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 10 really is a favourite of mine. It's this beautiful, carefully crafted description from Paul of just some of the gospel narrative. Now, we'll start from the beginning. We'll, we'll pick some bits out as we go. But Ephesians uh, 2 verse 1 says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. What's he saying? You were dead to your sin. You were following the other spirits, the other small g gods in this world. And that might sound weird and disconcerting, like we're going off on a weird tangent there, but the, the biblical landscape for the spiritual world is vast. And we've talked about some of this in, in some of our previous teaching. You can go find that um, on the Central Vineyard website, wherever you get your 
podcasts from. Um, a great place to look just briefly would be Psalm 82, where there is this council of, uh, this divine council that God is ruling over. And he's saying to these gods, why are you doing such wrong? Why are you being deceptive? Stop doing these things. So we are dead in our sin. We are following the way of these these spirits, the ruler of the air. All of us uh, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. Let's pause for a minute. Because there is a phrase coming that will be familiar to us, perhaps to the point of over-familiarity. It is by grace you have been saved. Grace, it is not earned. There is no amount of doing good. There is no amount of saying the right things. There is no amount of time spent in prayer alone that can save you. This is the, the saving grace of God. This is his love poured out for us. Now, if you want to know more about Jesus and this grace, you can pop you know, a little comment in the chat. Somebody will be happy to talk to you there. Um, or you can get in touch with us as a church and we would love to share more with you about that. And Paul goes on. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And then in my Bible, it breaks up the passage. And my way of reading this for so long was, oh, well, that's the end of the gospel message. That's the gospel story. But in the original letter, that division isn't really there. But I would admit that my own familiarity with scripture and some of the stuff that's going on is, is I could be quite tempted to kind of skip over or read lightly the next bit. Why? Because it starts like this. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcised. Now, as soon as you start talking about circumcision, I switch off. Why? Because all I can think is there is going to be drama here. This is because the, the Jewish group and the Gentile group are arguing. And Paul has just come to settle some arguments, a theological argument. And I don't know about you, there is enough drama in my life. There is a reason I don't watch TV soaps. I don't need drama adding. But this is important. Why, as we'll see, in the temple, uh, there was a dividing wall between those who were Jewish and Gentile. If you were Jewish, you could get closer to God. But if you were a Gentile, there were walls you could physically not go beyond. You were somewhat separated from God and certainly separated from the Jewish community in that sense. And as you read through, it says this, he has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, making thus making peace. For through him, we, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. We see the Trinity at work in this. That Jesus has removed these barriers. So actually we have access to the Father. And we do that by one Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit for those who are Jewish, those who are Gentile. Gentile being those who are not of Jewish bloodline. Paul goes on. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. In him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his 
spirit. This is the gospel message. This bit, what feels like a theological argument, is as much part of the gospel message as that Jesus dying and taking away our sins. This is the grace of Jesus. And maybe for you this feels like an extension of the gospel somehow, but just quickly, the, the broad stroke telling of the gospel through scripture looks something like this, that God made man in his image. Now, what does that mean? Image uh, is an, uh, an in, interesting word. You know, it's, it's living in his likeness. That's, that's a good way of thinking about it, that we somehow reflect the goodness of God. The Hebrew word for image that's used, and it's used throughout scripture in a number of different ways is, is Selem, and in different contexts, that's used to, you know, you make an image, you make a, uh, like an idol or a statue. You make these things that, that look like this other thing. And actually the, the, the word Selem, the root word in the Hebrew means to carve. So actually this idea of being made in God's image is that almost like we are these living statues placed upon the earth to reflect his glory, his goodness, to say, hey, this is God's kingdom where we are. And we are given that the power of that kingdom to rule and subdue and tend to the earth, to make the earth flourish and expand God's kingdom wherever we go. But we give this power to the ones that we are meant to rule, namely the serpent in the, the story in Genesis 1 and 2. Ultimately, this is the fall. We fall away from God. We fall away from that relationship. We, we forgo the authority that God gave us. But in Genesis 12, we see a man named Abraham and God brings Abraham a promise. And that is that God will make his, his family a great nation. He will bless them and they will be a blessing to bless the whole earth. And when Jesus comes, he doesn't just take away our sins and make us right. He comes to fulfill that promise that was made to Abraham. His death means that actually it's not just that the Jews are, are, are blessed and know can be in his kingdom. Actually, all are blessed by the family, family of Abraham. He's restoring our identity as God's image bearers, as the kingdom bringers. He is creating this new, this renewed humanity. Some of your Bible translations won't say making a new humanity. They might say making a new man. And the word in Greek does mean man, but in Hebrew, the word man is Adam, Adam, humanity. The, and as Hans Ruckenbacker says, who's a, a theologian, he says, Christ did not die to make us Christian. He died to make us human. The when, when the fall occurred, we gave away a whole chunk of what it meant to be human. And Christ restored that to us. He died to make us human. And this isn't just a, a, a little theological idea, a little nuance of theology. If we skip into chapter three, it says this, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus. His intent was that now through the church, through this new humanity, through his family, through these disciples, his followers, his sons, his daughters, through you and through me, collectively, because we live in an individualistic world, we go, hey, this is about me. No, no, no. This is about God and his people. That through us, the wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. I had to read this a few times to, to take it in. 
And we see this at the beginning of Ephesians chapter 2. This is where Paul starts. He goes, actually, we were saved from our sins because we were following the rulers and the authorities. And we were saved from those. And now those same spiritual authorities will see this new humanity, will see the church and realise this is the wisdom of God. This is the time. This is God's kingdom returning. His children have been made new and restored to the place that they were given. And they know this will happen. <laughs> they hint, they, we see this in, in the gospel. So Matthew 8, when Jesus is dealing with demons, they reply, you know, have you come to torture us before the appointed time? They know their time is up. They know that there is a story for them. Through you and through me, can you imagine? Can you imagine? You know, in the middle of lockdown and all that comes with that, the grief, the pain, the anguish, sorrow, the loss, the frustration, feeling of hopelessness, all these things we might feel, we are the new humanity. We are sons. We are daughters. We are the place that the Spirit chooses to dwell. And the world around us is waiting for us to realise. Steve's challenge last week was about going from immaturity to maturity. And one of Steve's quotes was this. He says, it's knowing who we are that leads us toward full maturity. It's understanding our identity that leads to maturity, which is the opposite of what the world teaches us, which is as we become mature, we figure out who we are. We figure out our identity. No. We know our identity and from that place we can become more mature. So whether you feel near or far from God, actually this is your identity. The new humanity, a son or a daughter, a child of God, part of the royal priesthood, this is your identity. An image bearer, a carrier of God's kingdom and his authority, a marker in the earth that says God's kingdom is coming. And what does this identity actually mean for us? It's great to know this identity. What does it mean for us in our walk toward maturity? How does it change our, our behaviour? And these are things for us to think about. How does it change our perspective on things? See, lockdown doesn't stop us. God is not in lockdown. He's not having to hide away in the same way that we are. Not for one second do I believe that God's kingdom is not advancing because of COVID. Not for one second. Why? Because actually, just because we may not be doing the evangelism things we might normally do, that doesn't mean that God is not at work. Alan Scott in his book, Scattered Servants, says, believers don't do evangelism, believers bring life. Now, there's nothing wrong with evangelism. Some of you are gifted to go out on the streets. Um, and I encourage you in that gifting wholeheartedly. But believers don't just do evangelism. Believers bring life. How might we bring life, bring God's kingdom, even in small ways during lockdown? And beyond that, how, how do we do that? What might we do? What adventures might God have for us this year? What would it look like for you to take some time just to dream with God, to sit in his presence and dream with him and pray and ask? Think of all that God has given us, this new identity that our new family, this new calling, a new purpose. He's empowered us. He's given us a new future. What could we do with that? Alan Scott uh, says that I've got one here. Everyone who holds an apple carries an orchard in their hand if they know what they have. See, in here is seeds. You could plant these and if you know what you're doing, you can plant an orchard. I don't. I will eat this for lunch. 
But all of us, in that sense, with all that God has given us, we hold an apple in our hand. What is the potential in them? How might we help this precious gift flourish? And as we go deeper with God, what might sprout in and through us and around us? You might not have an answer and you, you may not have ideas. Maybe you feel powerless. And in this journey towards maturity, we have to hold intention that we can rest in him. But also, I think as we go deeper with God, our, our love will become, God, you are so good. And I want your kingdom to come to other people because I love them too. But there's good news even in this passage. So Ephesians, Ephesians 3 and verse 12, right towards the end there. In him and through faith in him, being Jesus, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. We may approach God with freedom and confidence. What an amazing thing. In 2021, let's approach God with boldness. Should we? Can we? Can we do that? I think we can. Approach God with boldness, asking him to lead us into maturity. Learning to approach him with freedom, with confidence. What might it look like for us to pray some bold prayers? To step out in faith. And I would encourage you, in the same way many of us will maybe have made lists of goals or resolutions or things for this year. What are the things that you are going to hold on to in prayer before, before God? What are you going to wrestle with God over? What are you going to contend for? Because remember, the, the spiritual authorities, they are, they are looking to us, waiting, if you like, for, for God's kingdom to come. What are we going to pray for? The things that feel so far that only God can do. What are we going to pray for? What are we going to ask for? You know, the idea that God cannot move during lockdown is a lie. So let's go deeper with him. Let's ask boldly of him to see his kingdom come um, all around us. Knowing our, this identity that God has given us. Knowing this calling that he's given to us. Knowing that he loves to see his kingdom come. And so I just want to finish by praying. So where you are, whether you're, in, you're um, on your own, maybe you're with family, I just encourage you just to, to quiet and be still and just bring yourself into an awareness of God and his presence. So Father, I thank you for this, this new identity that you've given us. I thank you for this new humanity that you've called us into. Um, and I pray for each of us this year that you would help us to become bold people, bold disciples. Would you help us to pray bold prayers, to pray prayers of faith? Would you help us not to be afraid of circumstance, not to be afraid of all that's going on? Help us not to be reckless, but actually to be people filled with faith and love and hope. I pray that you would give, um, give us dreams and visions. You would give us ideas. You would give us life-giving opportunities. Would you give us kingdom appointments? Just, you know, these odd, almost feel like... Um, coincidences with you where we can see your kingdom come and for those of us who just feel so unable to even face some of these questions because of the circumstances father you are loving and gracious and you know and you understand so father would you bring peace holy spirit would you bring restoration would you bring strength would you pour out your blessings 
And would you encourage each one of us, wherever we are in this journey towards maturity, whether we feel relatively mature or whether we feel like we are just nowhere and can't face it. Father, would you bring us to maturity this year, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.